Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Don't care that much about that, so it's not that big of a deal. Well, some customers must have brought some food in there. Well, I got home late. I went to bed. Woke up the next day for church, and uh, in in my house, anyways, my kids always have a challenge of who can go to church early with dad. So now I get here usually between eight thirty to nine, and so a little bit earlier before my wife and kids normally come. And so all my kids will get they'll, they'll get dressed. I mean, they wake up and they're throwing their suit and tie on their dresses. They're just trying to get ready as fast as they possibly could to be the first person to go with me. And so while Olivia was the lucky winner that day, she was the first one up and got dressed and everything. And so uh, we got ready to leave, and we, she got into the back seat of the car, and she's like, "Dad." She's looking at the floorboard. She's like, I can't believe this. And I'm like, what's going on, Olivia? What? And she's like, Dad, someone brought food into your car last night, and it's all smashed up on the floorboards. And I was like, really? You know, usually when people leave food, you can still smell it, and you, know, you realize, like, hey, there's probably still food back there. But I didn't smell anything that night before. And so you know, I, I just responded, like, yeah, sometimes people bring food with them, and it's no big deal. But she's like... Yeah, Dad, you know, it's, it's weird that it's a waffle on the ground. I said, a waffle's on the ground. There's a waffle in, the, in my back seat. It was really uh, on the floorboard. And so, you know, in that moment, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's no big deal. It's just a waffle that's been smashed into my carpet. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And she looks at me, and she says, yeah, Dad, it's just waffles. And I'm like, why does that seem like a good sermon title? So there it is. There's a backstory for that. The truth is this. Uh, when my daughter said it's just waffles, in that moment I could have been super irritated that someone brought waffles into my car and then proceeded to smash it into my, car, into my carpet, right? I had a choice in that moment to be super irritated that that actually happened. Uh, but yet, Olivia has said, yeah, Dad, it's just waffles. And that's kind of the theme of this entire message tonight is simply this, that we do have a choice to be offended in life. That is a choice that we can make. Now, we cannot choose to have people always offend us and make, you know, say these things again. We don't get to choose who says these things, but how our response is, we can always have a choice of how we choose to respond to that. We can, we can choose to respond with hurt and just uh, be incredibly angry at someone and hold on to bitterness and all those things, or we can choose to forgive and move on. And so tonight we're going to be talking about that. And you reread the verse 10 through 11. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So the, the very last two Beatitudes, they touch on a subject that I want to help us with tonight and just kind of talk through this. It's a subject that comes into all of our lives at some point, a subject that Jesus said that it would be impossible to avoid, but it's something that we tend to try to ignore or leave unresolved, and that is simply that, offense. We can choose to be offended today, or we can choose to say, I forgive you and move on. And that's something that we as all, as humans here, if we haven't been offended by someone in our life yet, just wait till tonight or tomorrow or the next week or next month. It's going to happen. The Bible says it's going to happen to everyone. Now, a lot of my content, I reread the book, The Bait of Satan. Has anyone read The Bait of Satan book before? The Bait of Satan? 
It's an incredible book by John Bevere. Um, and so I, a lot of, lot of the, the book that I read, I use a lot of the content to develop this message tonight because it's a lot about speaking about offense. When the Bible speaks of offense, it refers primarily, primarily to some act or series of acts which lead another into sin. By themselves, offenses are generally not hurt feelings, resentment, and anger that begin as minor irritations or annoyances. We ought to be able to deal easily with those things. However, irritations and annoyances have the unfortunate inclination to build into us far worse bitterness and grudges, which are sins that a person have allowed uh, allowed into their life, in many cases by his own devious mind. The truth is this, there will come offenses in our life. If not now, it will come at some point in our life. How we respond, everyone say respond. How we respond when persecutions come, when the false accusations come, is what matters to God. He says, you will be offended for his name's sake. You will be persecuted for his name's sake. You will be made fun of. You will be, uh, all these things will be done for, his, for you to be blessed by this. And God's like, you're going to be blessed by that. And you're thinking, how am I going to get blessed by someone else persecuting me? It didn't make no sense. And so I want to focus the rest of the evening on a couple different points here, but how the fact that offense will come how to handle the offense biblically, and what God can do to help us. And now, we can all agree tonight that we are definitely living in the end times. Jesus prophesied of a few things on the Mount of Olives to his disciples. They asked Jesus when the time of earth was going to be through, and Jesus responded by saying, you're going to have false prophets rising up. You're going to have religious leaders who will deceive thousands. You will have wars and threat of wars taking place. And you will have severe racial tension. You will have increasing rate of famine and disease and earthquakes and diverse places. The Bible gives us all these different clues as to what's going on. And when you read that list, you can say, yes, we are truly in the end times. There is no doubt in their mind. But yet, after that list of things that Jesus says, he goes on to say in verse 10 through 13 of Matthew 24, it says, and then shall many, everyone say many. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But he started off by saying, and then uh, and you, there'll be many offended and they will betray one another. The way, uh, the way society is right now with the cancel culture and uh, everything that goes behind, behind that phrase, cancel culture, right now. We can all agree on that, that, when it, when it, uh, you know, that the world is coming to an end. We can all agree that we can see society and morality just decaying all around us. We can agree to that. We can see it with our own two eyes. However, when we talk about offense, we can say, yeah, it's so easy to get over it. Just pray about it, forgive and move on. We can say statements like that, and those are true statements, and God can help us with it. But what happens when you are offended? What happens when a family member or a church member or a co-worker and dot, 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 dot offends you? How should we respond biblically? How should we actually do that? You know, uh, offense has taken place to every single person in this room tonight. It has come from those who are very close to us, family members, people who we love, the people who care about us. It has come from people who we don't even know or people who, people who don't even know us truthfully. It has come from misunderstandings. It has come from miscommunication. It has happened, but here's the deal. We can all agree, for the most part, I would say, that we have all been offended at some point in our life. 
We can, all, we can all agree. If you're probably a past the age of 13 years old, you can probably for sure say, I've been offended by someone at some time. I've been hurt by someone. The truth is this. It's our human response that when people falsely accuse us, uh, you know, here's the deal. When people falsely accuse us, it's unavoidable. We can't control what people say about us. We can't control what they think about us. All you can do is be the best Christian, the best apostolic you can be every single day and allow that to lead it, right? But when people say things that are not true, things that are not kind, things that are just, you know, blatantly false against you, there's not much you can do in that situation besides uh, allowing God just to, let, to lead you. But here's the deal. In Luke 17, the Bible says, Then so said he unto, unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Offense is one of the most deadly and deceptive traps in our Christian walk with God. And the truth is this, it is often comes from those who is closest to us. And of course, I'm not going to give any examples tonight, but we have all been probably hurt by those very close to us. At some point, someone had said something that really affected us in our life. We can all say that because it happens mostly in that case where people who are really close, the ones who know us the best, will say things at the wrong time and cause some issues. The Bible says in Psalm 55, 12 through 14, for it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, it was you, a man my equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. It was not an enemy that reproached me, David is saying. It was not a person who was meant to try to kill me. It was my brother. It was my guide. It was the one who I was, I was having sweet counsel with, who I was going to godly place. It was the person that was close to me that was what's causing me the reproach. So often we can say in, in, in our life, and, uh, and I'll, I won't be too careful on this statement, but I do not believe in church hurt. You say, I don't know how, how you cannot believe in church hurt because the church has hurt me. No, no, no. I don't believe in church hurt. I believe in people hurt. The church, God's church has never hurt anyone. The people have hurt people, right? And so often in our life as, as apostolics and as Christians, when, when people offend us from the church, we automatically blame the church. And not the person. We say, the church hurt me. That's why I'm not going to go back. That's why I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to partake of that. It's because we say, the church hurt us. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. Again, David says, it was the person close to me. It was the person, it was my guide. It was the person that I was, I was seeking sweet counsel with. It was that person that hurt me. The church did not hurt me, but yet it was the person did. The saying that we probably, most of us have heard, hurt people hurt people. And we can, a lot of us can testify in this room tonight that we have hurt people when we've been hurt ourselves. This is a tough message already, I know. The truth is this, I have said things that were not true. I have said things that hurt other people when I was hurt, when I was offended, when I would not take a moment and think about what was actually happening in my life and thinking, okay, I'm actually responding with hatred. I'm responding with anger versus wisdom or you know, grace or anything like that. Some of the greatest hatred can be found among people who were once close to you. Some of the greatest offenses in your life can take place from those who used to love you and care about you. 
Only those who you care about can truly offend you. The people who are your family, the people who are the ones that are closest to you, those are the ones who can truly offend you. Jesus made it very clear that it would be impossible to escape life without offense. But yet when it happens, we are shocked. We are just amazed at, wow, how could someone say that? How could someone do this? How could they say that about me? We are shocked and amazed, but yet God is trying to say, it's going to happen. And so we have got to learn how to, how to lead this. One of the things that we're going to realize in our life, and I think we, most of us would testify to this and agree with me on that, is a lot of times when you are offended, it turns into bitterness. It can lead, it, lead us into a very deceptive trap of bitterness where it's going to be, uh, we're acting out of uh, complete anger and just hatred towards another person because we are the one who is hurting. We must be prepared. Everyone say prepared. We must be prepared for offense because it will come. And the question is, how will we respond to it? We cannot just quickly skip through Matthew 5 where Jesus talks about on, on, on the mount there where it says, blessed are those who shall not be offended. Blessed are those who shall not be offended. We can't just skip that scripture and say, it's going to be all right. I'm going to, you know, I'll be offended for a week or two weeks or a month or whatever. However long I want to hold on to this anger and bitterness, you know, I'll just keep it for a little bit. But no, no, the Bible says, blessed are those who shall not be offended. Jesus uses the word offense in Matthew 18, 7. It says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. The Greek word here is the word scandalon, which is the part of the trap where the bait was attached. If you look up the Greek word scandalon, you're going to realize that it's talking about the bait, the, the, the trigger of a trap. That is exactly what it is. The word offense there is going to be scandalon, where it is the bait of the trap. This is that thing that's going to trigger the trap to make this very snapping motion. Because once you take the bait of offense, you, must, you have the entire trap on you. Which is why the enemy will use offense in 2022. He will use offense in 2023 to try to, to try to deter you from your walk with God. He will try to use people who are close to you to make you try to, uh, you know, to be hurt by the church, so to speak, or the people of the church. And you're going to say, well, I'm not going to do this because of that. Folks, we got to realize offense is a trap. Being offended is a complete trap in our life. And we do have a choice. We have a, we have a right way and a wrong way to respond to that. But once you take the bait of offense, once you take that, you are now ensnared by the trap and you must find a way to release that trap out of your own life. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, I have a lot of scripture tonight, but it's Bible study tonight, so I think that's going to be all right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and they that may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him, at his will. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Everyone say all men. Amen. And of course it says apt to teach, and then it says patient in meekness. That is how we're going to get through offense. This is how we're going to get through being offended in our life by being patient, by showing meekness, by humbling ourselves and saying, you know what? What they said was not true, but I can't control what they say. All I can do is control how I respond right now. 
Most of the time, people who are offended don't even know that they are truly trapped by offense. While they think the pure waters are flowing from them because they show up to church and they're, they're, they have a walk with God and they, uh, they, they read their Bible, they do, they do all these different things, what they don't realize is they are still trapped by an offense, by someone that said something or did something. And it's so important for us to realize that when we are offended, it is absolutely a trap of the enemy. It was not God's will that we remain offended. It's not, actually, it's, just, it's not God's will that we are offended, period. Blessed are those, right, that shall not be offended. Blessed are those that shall not. Everyone say, shall not. Shall not be offended. But the people who are offended, they don't even realize they're trapped. And uh, they, what happens a lot of times when you are offended, it, it turns into bitterness. It turns into anger. And, uh, and that, that's, that's all that exists. Well, what, you know, what was just a minor infraction, what was just a minor uh, of being offended, offense, just a minor conversation that happened, you let it linger in your life for too long. And before you know it, it turns into a mountain, right? They say the molehill of the mountain, right? Like we have to understand that we have a choice when we're offended. We have a choice as apostolics to respond while being offended and say, you know what? I don't have to accept what you're saying about me. I don't have to accept what they said about me. What, what, I, I can forgive them and say, bless their heart, as they say down south. Bless their heart. Bless her heart, right? No, we can say, you know what? It's going to be all right. I will take every concern. I will take everything I have in my heart and say, God, help me through this. That is one way we're going to be able to get through this. People who are offended, they believe they are right when they are wrong. What I mean by that is simply this. A lot of times when we are offended, we say, I have a right to be offended. The Bible actually never gives us a right to be offended. Did you know that? The Bible never once said it's okay for you to be offended and allow you to linger in a place of bitterness and anger. No, no, the Bible is actually completely the opposite of that. You're not, you're not supposed to allow offenses to take place and allow it to linger into bitterness and anger. Because when we think we are right, we are wrong, and the Bible talks clearly about that. Exodus 15, we find the story here of the Israelites who are on their pathway to promise. They have been delivered from bondage, and they are now following the Lord. This is not one that is free of struggle, however. They spent three days in the heat with no water, and, and they finally find water in, in, in Marah, and it's bitter. In Exodus 15, it says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. We thank God for the miracle of that. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Everyone say, no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? They spent three days in the heat. They were trying to find a way of escape. They were trying to get through a place of this desperation where they're just traveling through, yet they find themselves three days in the heat, and also they can't find no water. There's nothing for them to drink, and they come to a place where there's some water. They come to a place called Mara where there is water, but yet it says that it was bitter, for they, uh, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. This uh, brother, Jason Brooks, he, he, he used this scripture at Men's Retreat for us this past year, and it was an incredible illustration, and I never really sat and thought about it. I never thought about in that moment how they were, they, were, they were so thirsty, they were desperate for water, and all of a sudden they find some water, and it's bitter. They could have chosen just to stay there and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this water. I'm going to ingest this bitter water. I don't care that it's bitter. I don't care that it's not good for me. It's going to be okay. I, I, it'll be fine. 
But no, the Bible says very clear, they did not stay there. They did not linger there whatsoever. But then it says, and the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? It was not Moses' fault that the water was bitter, right? But because Moses was, was in a place of leadership, they immediately were, it says they murmured, they were talking about it, saying, what shall we drink? And I would, I would assume Moses in this moment, I, I, if I could put myself in his shoes for a second, I would think he's probably offended at the fact that they're thinking it's his fault that the water's bitter. It's not his fault. He's just trying to ex escape from bondage. They're trying to get to a place of freedom. But yet Moses, because he is the leader, people start asking, what are we going to drink? What are we going to do? How is this, you know, how are we going to live? As much as they were murmuring, as much as they were upset and angry, they were angry at their leadership, Moses, because it was his fault because they didn't have water. They were angry, no doubt, at God for leading them down this path and trying to get to a place of freedom, but yet they don't have water to drink. However, they did do something right. They did do something right because they never, they never stayed and ingested and drank the water that was bitter. They chose to bypass that water and said, there's going to be a greater place for me to grab other water. Yeah, I'm thirsty. I spent three days with a lot of heat, and I'm really th I, can take a, I can take a drink of this right now, but no, no, they, they decided not to do that. You keep going in 25 to 27, and it says, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and, and an ordinance, and they, there he proved them. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. How we respond to offense will always determine the outcome of what's happening. How we choose to respond to the bitter waters of life, so to speak, if we decide to linger there and ingest it and take it and say, you know what, I'm going to fight this fight even though I, don't, I shouldn't fight this, even though I shouldn't take this on. I'm going to keep this offense held into my heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep what they said. I'm going to hold it into my mind and say, I'm going to keep it here forever. Or you can say, you know what, there's got to be a better place to get water. Or there's got to be another place where I can say, you know what, this is not the place for me. You realize we have a choice when we are offended. When people speak ill will against you, when they speak negative things about you and even to you or behind your back, you have a choice to not respond to that. And here's the deal. I don't, uh, how people perceive me, it doesn't necessarily matter in the sense of your opinion is not going to change my entire life. What God sees in my life, what God deems is appropriate for me, what God says I am, that is what matters to me. And so I don't have to listen to the negative reports of my friend or family that say ill will against me. I am a new creature. I'm a new man in Christ. I can choose to live a life of not being offended, but being set free from that. But we have got to choose the right response to being offended in our life. We have always got to say, I'm not going to ingest. I'm not going to take the bitterness. I'm not going to hold on to these things into my life because what will take, offense always starts as a small thing, most likely, most likely in our life. And if we hold on to it, it will cause us to be bitter. And bitterness is not the way God has designed us to live a life. 
God's never called us to be bitter. He has never called us to be in that spot whatsoever. But yet there's a new place. And what I find so great about this story is how it says that when they got there, there were 12 wells of water. 12 wells. I can promise you, taking the high road is always the right path. Taking the high road and not trying to engage in small battles against people and try to get into a word war and word fight and all these things. We don't have to deal with those things. God has more for us in store, so let's not stay at the place of bitterness. Let's not just stay at this place here and allow God to move into our life and lead us to the right area. How we respond to offense will always determine the outcome. Had the Israelites, they camped out, they stayed at Mara, they would have drank of the bitter waters, but yet they, they instead they chose to seek the Lord. They chose to seek the Lord in this time. A lot of times when we are offended, we, we choose to blame a lot of things as to why we don't have a good walk with God. But the truth is, it's on us. The walk, you know, here's the deal. If Pastor Cox could, he would have a prayer life for everyone in this room. If he could pray a prayer that would cover everyone so you never have to have a great prayer life, he would. But that is not how God operates. God operates on a covenant relationship. He wants a relationship with every one of us. And so we have a choice every single morning, every single night when we go to bed. We can choose to say, you know what, I'm going to hold on to all my problems myself and not do nothing with it. But the Bible says, cast all of your cares upon him for he careth for you. It is not the will of God for us to hold on to our burdens, to hold on to these things that are hurting us. It's allow, to give it to God and allow, to, and, and allow relationship to help us. A person who cannot forgive is a person who's forgotten what they've, what they've been forgiven of. That statement, he wrote that in the book, uh, The Bait of Satan there, and it's bold that I highlighted it in my book because here's the deal. If I cannot forgive a person who has hurt me, then I have forgotten what God has forgiven me of. It is, not my, it is not my right as a Christian to withhold forgiveness for someone. If they hurt you, they made a mistake. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things that are wrong. We've all done that before. But God forbid, as apostolics, that we hold the title of being holding the most grudges and most everything against people. We should not have that. God has not called us to hold grudges of people. He has not called us to just hurt people because they hurt us. He has called us to a higher and better path than that. A person who cannot forgive is a person who's forgotten what they've been forgiven of. In John 13, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. Here, Jesus, he fully understood who he was. He understood his power, his authority, his influence. He knew all of that. He also knew that Judas was going to betray him. He was fully aware that he was going to be betrayed by one of those closest to him. But yet here, Jesus being the man, being the example for us all, he needed to teach a principle of compassion, a principle of taking offense or having offense taking place and how to live and walk through that. You see, the next scripture in my mind is one of the most outrageous scriptures in the entire Bible. One of the most uh, uncharacteristic things that we can think of how, how we would respond in situations like this. You go to verses 4 through 5. It says, He riseth from supper, 
Jesus himself. And he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. And after that, he poureth water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Jesus himself, the one who knew that he was being betrayed by one of those closest to him, he chose to serve in a moment like that. He chose to lead by example and say, you know what? I know what's going to happen to me here in a few days. I know Judas is going to betray me. I know it's going to hurt me a little bit here, but I have got to make an example for my apostolic, my Christian believers that we are, it is not our job to get, to get um, what's the word, revenge on other people. It, it's not our job to do that. Our job is to serve with compassion. It is our job to love our neighbors, to love our family, to love our friends, and show them the same compassion that Jesus did. That is what we're supposed to do, right? And Jesus here himself, he did this. He knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew Peter was going to deny him, but yet he chose to serve his brother in a moment. Even though the offense was already there, even though he, even though he knew it was going to happen, God, give me the heart of Jesus where I won't take this offense, where I won't take when my brother or my sister says these things or does these things and I hold on to them. God, give me the heart of Jesus that says, you know what, I'm going to be offended. I'm going to be hurt, but I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. I'm going to show grace and I'm going to show mercy because that is what God is calling us to do today. Matthew 18, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. This is how Jesus is responding to this. How often do I have to forgive my brother God? How often do I got to forgive those close to me? How often do I got to do it? And Jesus makes the point to say, you know what? Until seven times, but no, no, seven times seven. This is one of the most challenging Bible verses about forgiving others who have hurt us. Here, Jesus is not literally telling Peter and us to forgive someone exactly 77 times or 490 times in older translations, no more, no less. He is not telling us there's a number of, uh, of times we can forgive. He's not saying that. He's not saying, yeah, give them 77 chances. And once they hit 78, done with them. No, he's giving us a principle here. Rather, God is reminding all of his followers, every person, that we must forgive those who hurt us when they absolutely ask for grace and mercy. We should do this without secretly counting the precise number of times they've wronged us in the past. We should not have a, a clipboard on our, in our home that says, you know what, this person did it 28 times. Well, 29 after yesterday, right? It's not our job to count those things. But true forgiveness is not meant to be petty, calculative, or non-begrudging. It can be a very hard thing to do, and it can feel like a blow to our self-righteous egos at first. However, just as God forgives our multitude of sins, he also desires for us to do the same for others who genuinely seek our forgiveness and wish to learn from their missteps. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 through 32, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. It's just waffles. Let it go. You don't have to hold on to it. You, don't, you can choose to not hold on to it. You can choose to be the better person. You can choose to do that. But it's a choice. It's just waffles. It's just a mistake. It's just an accident. It's okay. And I can ask this question safely in this room tonight. 
In fact, I will, just to see if we're all honest here. Raise your hand if you have never hurt someone in your life. All right, there's no one raising their hand. No one raised their hand, which is a great thing because that's all true. We've all done things that are wrong at times. We've all done things where we've hurt people. We've said things. We've done these things. It's a mistake. And how do we handle that? We go to them and ask for what? Forgiveness. Humble ourselves and say, you know what? I was wrong there. I apologize. I am sorry. You realize that the, uh, a lot of times uh, the breakthroughs in our life are held on to because we're holding on to anger and bitterness. The, the, the breakthroughs that God has for us in our walk with him, we're still holding on to hurt from 20 years ago, 10 years ago. People change. I've changed. Everyone has changed, right? So what they did 10 years ago does not mean they're the same person, right? And so we have got to understand this principle tonight. That it says to let all bitterness, let all wrath, all anger, all clamor, and all evil speaking be put away from you. Get it out of your mind. Get it out of your heart. Get it out of your, everything out of your life. Get that out of there. That is not the will of God for us tonight, right? That is not the will of God for us whatsoever. But then it says, and be kind one to another. Just be a good friend. Be a good brother. Be a good sister to those around you, right? Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I thank God for the grace and mercy in my life. I thank God for, uh, for forgiving me of all my sins. I thank God for all those things. I praise God for that. If God will do that for us, because if we're going to be really honest, how many times if Jesus will take on all of our offenses, where we would live our life at certain times where we would hurt God, we would hurt, the, we, we would, we would hurt God by our actions or what we say and do, thank God for his grace. Thank God that he would help us with that. But God forbid that we don't extend the same grace to our brother, the same grace to our sister. God forbid we don't offer that to them because that is what God does for us. My last passage of scripture here tonight is going to be in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. It says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all of thy soul, with all thy mind. That is going to be your first and the greatest commandment is to love, your, love God with everything you got. With all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. That is the first and the greatest commandment. But then he goes, but and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love your neighbor as thyself. That's the second commandment Jesus is saying here. Listen, we can do a lot of things. We can reach a lot of people in Mankato and the, the southern Minnesota region by being kind, by being the light. We don't, have to be, we don't have to have all the answers to what's going on. We don't have to have all the answers for everything that's taking place around here. But we can show love. We can show Jesus' love. We can, we can be the light of the world. We can be all those things. But one of the hardest things we can do is show love when we're holding on to anger and bitterness. It's just waffles. That is just Waffles. You don't got to worry. It's, it happened already. What are you going to do about it? You can't go back in time and make the kind of, throw the waffle out the window. There's nothing you can do about it. 
So let's not stay at a place of bitterness. Let, let, let us not stay at a place where we can choose to hold on to this because when you are offended, I can promise you this, and I know a lot of people agree with me when I say this because we have examples of it, but when you hold on to being offended, when you hold on to these things, it will always turn into bitterness. It will always turn, it, it, it will never not turn into it. If you hold on to a, a, what someone said to you or what they did to you or to your family or this or that or whatever it might be, it's going to turn into bitterness, and that is not where God wants you to stay. He wants you to go to a place of love and compassion and mercy as we all stand. As this, as this year is wrapping up, which is it's crazy to say that, I thank God for what he's done in my life this past year. I thank God for his staying power, his grace and mercy, and his keeping power in my life. And I do believe the greatest days are ahead of us for the church. I do believe that revival is not, it's not just coming. It's already taking place in this church, and I thank God for that. But I will say one of the things that I, you know, I've prayed about this message a handful of times here, and I, I will just say that I feel that one of the things that the enemy is going to try to use in the next year and the years to come is being offended. He's going to use our brothers and our sisters. to try. To, he's going to try to pit us one against one another. But as, as the Bible is very clear, that we must be all in one mind and one accord, right? All agreeing in the principle that we, all, we are brothers and we are sisters and that God loves us all. And I believe that our greatest days are ahead of us, but we have got to be very careful and, be, and caution ourselves. When offense comes, how are we going to respond? What are we going to do? What's, what, are, how are we, what are we going to say to people? What, how, what, what, how are we going to respond to it? And that was one of my greatest challenges on this message tonight is how are we going to respond to being offended? Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, we love and thank you so much, God, for this day you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We are. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.